You're listening to Run With The Bulls, a podcast discussing a unique approach to everyday finance with everyday people. Run With The Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro, a financial wellness company. Now, your hosts, author Danny Kofke and the royalty of financial wellness, Whitney Queen. Welcome to Run With The Bulls. My name is Danny Kofke and I'm a motivational mentor with Mentoro. I am joined by the president of Mentoro, Whitney Queen. Hey, Whit. Hey, Danny, and hey to everyone who's listening. We also have here in the podcast studio with us today, Casey Stegman, SVP of Strategic Planning at Mentoro, as well as Kelly Keurig, our Vice President of Plan Management. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, everyone. So today's topic is something that actually recently hit home for me. And when I say hit home, I mean it. It's financial adulting. A few years ago, my husband Justin and I bought a house, and since interest rates are so low right now, we decided to refinance our mortgage. And let me tell you, nothing makes you feel more like an adult than going through this time-consuming process. I felt like I signed my life away. Been there, done that. We actually just kind of refinanced ourselves, and oh man, I tell you, I felt uh, I felt like my, my childhood idol, Dan Marino, signing as many autographs as I did, right? But it kind of got me thinking, my daughter Ava just turned 16 and got her first job working at Starbucks. So, you know, I used to give financial advice that you should never buy coffee from Starbucks because it's $5 a cup, but now I say go every day and buy it, right? You're helping an employer. But it did. It got me thinking back to my first job when I was 16 delivering appliances the hot and humid Florida sun. And as Ava now gets closer to 17, she's kind of becoming into an adult. And it got me thinking, when was the first time I realized that I was adult? I probably have a couple embarrassing stories. One in particular that comes to mind is when I first turned 16, I was fortunate enough that my parents were able to get me a car, which I think was really more strategic on their part so they didn't have to cart me around anymore. But basically, my dad said, all right, here you go. This is your responsibility now. You have to take care of this. You have to pay for the gas. But we'll give you one thing as you kind of get rolling here. And that's this huge, like, 10-gallon gas can full of quarters. And I realized at that moment there was going to be no more holding out my hand and just asking for some cash from my dad that if I wanted to pay for my gas, I was either going to have to sift through this huge container full of coins and go either to the bank or or to the gas station and pay for my gas and coins, um, or I was going to have to get a job and figure it out. So that was kind of the first time for me that it really hit home that, okay, this is a big deal. This is some big responsibility. And um, it, it was a little shaky for me at first. I may have run out of gas a couple times on the side of the road, but, you know, no better way to learn, I guess. A story that comes to mind, I was in uh, college at Texas Tech uh, University in Lubbock. It was probably the first month I was on campus. I was at a football game, and as I was walking to my seat, there was a table, a couple of gentlemen giving away free T-shirts, or so I thought. You quickly learn nothing in life is free, right? I say, hey, I want, I want to go get one of those. You know, how do I do that? And so I walk up to the guy, and I said, are these free? And he said, yeah, all you got to do is just fill out this uh, this quick credit card application, and uh, and it's, this T-shirt's all yours. And I was like, sweet. So, <laughs> of course, I go in there, and I, I fill out the credit card application, and I get my T-shirt, and I go about the game and, and have a great time. Well, about a week later, I get a credit card in the mail addressed to me, and I think to myself, I open it up, and I see that there's a $2,500 limit on this credit card. Okay, keep in mind, this is 1996, 
and I'm a, a college freshman with, you know, no job or what have you. And I think the first thing I think to myself is, oh, my gosh, free money. Look at this. So what do I do? I went and bought shoes. I went and bought a Nintendo game or whatever it was back then. I went and bought, you know, bar tabs were on me, and, and I had a blast with it. And then, Isn't that tonight, too, on yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it was all well and good until I realized that that, that limit was an actual limit, and then there were payments due there. And, and so fast forward about a month, and I get that first bill, and I realize, oh, wait, I owe a payment of, you know, 300 bucks. I don't have 300 bucks to pay. <laughs> so I call my parents, and, uh, and of course, what, what does my dad say? Uh, Tough luck, figure it out. Get a job if you need to. And so... Obviously, uh, as a young kid and being naive and all that stuff, it was a tough lesson to learn, but it, it ended up taking me all the way, basically my entire college uh, career to pay that credit card off. So I yeah. learned that lesson not only uh, <laughs> the hard way, but it took a while. Yeah. Hope uh, the bar tabs were good, huh? Yeah, yeah not, not worth it. No, uh, no. Not worth it. <laughs> Kelly. How about you? Any uh, embarrassing financial adulting stories? I have quite a few. Um, however, the one that I'm thinking of that is fairly shocking now looking back on it was I decided to pack up my car and move out of Pennsylvania and go to Florida. And so after I graduated, I got in the car. After two days, I drove down to Florida and pulled into an apartment complex and decided this is where I'm going to live. When I got up to the desk, she said, we're going to do a credit check, and I need proof of employment. So not <laughs> ever thinking about that um, prior to getting there. Long story short, I went down the road to a new apartment complex that wasn't as nice, and they did not require that. Um, but that was really the first time I was like, wow, I, need, I don't know what my credit score is or how to build that, and I don't have a job yet. So <laughs> that is the first time that I really felt financial adulting in my life. Yep. <laughs> Again, it goes back to nobody prepares us for these things, right? right? Uh, <laughs> no. there's, you don't learn in school the importance of establishing credit early on. You don't learn the power of interest rates and, oh, that 80 or 18% APR actually makes a difference uh, on this credit card if you don't pay it in full. So, You know, and for me, I remember the time when I thought, gosh, <laughs> it's not so fun being an adult. So I, I went away for college, and then I actually took a semester off, and I came home. And, you know, obviously when I'm living away – my apartment was paid for. But uh, my parents, since I was living back at home, I, I got a job at a preschool teaching three-year-olds. I had a lot more energy then than I do now. But my parents started charging me rent. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, well, what's this? And they said, you know, if you go to school, we'll help pay for your expenses. But if you're home and you're not going to school, then, you know, you're, you're paying us rent. So I tried, you know, to make up for it. I added a lot of different things to the grocery list, right? I'm like, I'm going to earn this money back. But my mom didn't buy it. And she, you know, wasn't going to buy those things for me. Yeah, real nice, mom. I also try to convince them that maybe I should get a master's degree and a doctorate because I did go back to school. And I thought, it's pretty nice. I don't have to pay rent anymore. But no, I just got a bachelor's degree, and then I got out, and they said, it's time for you to start being on your own, Danny. So, uh, you know, that was kind of for me when I realized, uh, um, you know, welcome to the real world. And even though the rent, it wasn't that much, it didn't charge me, you know, what it would cost now, but it still was my realization, like, oh, I guess we got to pay for where I'm living. Never even thought of that. Yes, as great as it would be to be like Peter Pan and never grow up, it is certainly rewarding to become an adult and take responsibility for your life. That's right, but you need to be careful to not make some big mistakes. When we get back, the major mistakes a young financial adult can make.
So we're back with Casey and Kelly. What are some financial mistakes you've seen young adults make? I'd say the biggest one is called a lifestyle creep, and this is when our expenses keep up with or even exceed our income. Lifestyle creep. What are some examples of that? <laughs> I can give you a good example. And you're right, Kelly. It is it is tough as a young person. You're finally in the workforce. You're making money. Got that money burning a hole in your pocket. It's sometimes tough to resist the urge to go spend. I actually have a, a funny story. Back years ago when I was doing personal financial advising, I had a uh, a client who called up and he was actually a prospective client. And he said, uh, listen, I'm, he was a, a roofer. And this was at the time there was a uh, hailstorm in Dallas and the roofers were doing really, really well. Uh, everybody had a sign out front. Every, every roofer was making tons of money. And he calls up and he says, listen, I, I made a million bucks last year and this year's looking even better and I need some help, you know, with investing and, and I need, I need to take better care of my money. I said, well, we'll come on in. And we were going through his financial plan and he did in fact make a million dollars the year prior. But as I was digging through the financial plan, I noticed that his checking account had like $1,500 in it. And as I dug through, I'm looking at his balance sheet, his personal balance sheet, and there's no cash. There's no liquid assets at all. And so I'm thinking to myself here, how does somebody who made a million dollars last year have no cash in the bank? And as I dug through it, I started to see uh, the, the very reason for it. There were five or six motorcycles, there were boats, there were uh, really expensive cars. And all that being said, there was still, as we were running the numbers, there was still about a $200,000 shortfall. And I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm okay, so I, I'm, I'm seeing your inflows, I'm seeing your expenditures, I'm looking at your assets, but there's still a couple of hundred thousand dollars missing. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I built a pool in my backyard. And I said, you built a pool, a $200,000 pool? He said, yeah, but it's a badass pool. You should see it. And and right then and there, it's like, I get it. I get this. You know, this is a guy who just couldn't resist. He's a great guy, but he just couldn't resist the the urge to just spend his money as, as, as fast as he made it. So uh, it can happen. It can happen to somebody who makes a million dollars in a year. Uh, I've seen it firsthand. Definitely. When we get in lifestyle creep, a lot of times, so we'll move to a nice neighborhood, right? But then our neighbors, they send their kids to that private school that costs a lot of money. So what do we do? Oh, no more public school for you. You got to go to the private school. Oh, they drive the latest car. Well, guess what? I can't drive my five-year-old car. I'm going to buy a new car. So I think that's a lot of times what happens too. It just, you know, little things, but our whole life just increases. And, you know, for me, I spent my first two years teaching overseas and we moved home. I am sad to say, but we actually bought a brand new car. I knew nothing about depreciation. What? Like cars depreciated something like 60% in five years, a brand new car. So here I am. I made that mistake because once again, I didn't know anything about it. So, you know, do as I say, not as I do, right? It's one of those things that we all do make mistakes. And I think it kind of goes back to the point where a lot of times we don't learn it at school. We don't learn it from our parents. So once again, the workplace is the last great hope for a lot of people to learn how to handle their finances correctly. Oh, you think about how things are in today's society with FOMO and keeping up with the Joneses and instant gratification. You pull up social media in one glance and you see these perfect lives that everybody leads and you want to have that too. So sometimes it's about presenting to the world what it is that you have and overcompensating. Maybe other times it's just seeing what someone else has and wanting to have that too. Like you said, living in the neighborhood and then you start to mimic the people around you. Just imagine if we all 
were financially well, and we were mimicking that from one another, what that would Definitely. look like. Right. I mean, you know, if I buy Tracy a Lexus at Christmas with a bow on it, she's going to be happy. But those commercials don't fast forward six months later when I'm making those $700 a month car payments, right? Never show summer. So it is one of those things. It's, it's very easy to fall into that temptation. Not many people ever post on social media, you know, my kids just had a rough morning. I had a horrible day. It's all about the perfect family vacation and the pictures and all the new stuff. So it becomes very difficult difficult to maintain the same lifestyle that we have. So it's a very easy temptation to fall into. New cars become old very quickly. Large houses become full of uh, useless furniture and toys that are not necessary. And all those things feel good in the short run, like we're all talking about. I mean, it feels really cool and good to to buy a new car or uh, what have you. But ultimately, happiness comes with financial flexibility and financial flexibility ultimately comes from prudent spending and resisting those urges and all that stuff. So the happiest people I've found are not people with more toys or or the wealthiest people out there. It's those that have built enough to give themselves freedom and flexibility to do what they want to do, be it late in life or, or even uh, earlier than that. Those who are able to retire early on their terms and go do what they want to do, that's, that's what it's all about. Definitely. And I'm going to pick on Kelly here a little bit because she's always dressed so well. Kelly, have you ever looked in your closet and say, I just don't have anything to wear? Almost every day. Okay. So <laughs> so you think about that. So how many outfits do you probably have in your closet? I don't it's know. It's unnecessary, yeah. Right. Absolutely. So at some point in time, you bought every single one of those and said, wow, I really like this. But then a few weeks later, guess what? It becomes old and you don't have anything to wear. That's the problem, I think, with lifestyle creep is like we buy these things and for a moment, it makes us happy. And then, bam, a couple weeks go by, and we got to buy something else. And then we got to buy something else. And And it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, that reality hits hard and the responsibility that comes with it. That's why I love the topic of today's podcast so much, financial adulting. I think back to the story I shared with you guys in the first segment about this big can of coins. Really what my dad was trying to show me is that this is a lot of responsibility, And so the amount of time that it would take you to count through all these coins, that's the amount of focus and attention that you should be putting on this new responsibility that you have, which I think is so crucial and is lacking so much. We tend to just swipe so quickly or go ahead and spend it and think about it later. But to all the points that have been made, that later comes up quick. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I think sometimes people don't even realize how much they're spending or how out of control their spending is. I think they get into their routine and you know, we talked about $5 lattes and sometimes it takes you to sit across the table from somebody to really illustrate and show them, boy, if do you need this latte? Do you need to eat out five times a month? Do you really need to be driving this car? Do you really need, you know, 7,000 square feet in your house? There's so many things that I think people just, to your point, you get caught up into it why shouldn't I do that? That's just normal. Well, it's it's not. And that's yeah. destructive. I think it ultimately boils down to the priorities, too, that we're setting. I think about all the things that I'll say, no, I'm not going to have that gym membership or no, I'm going to pass on making this donation, but yet get me in a target with a buggy and it's game over real fast. I'm, you know, blasting right through what I would have spent on that gym membership or what I would have donated to the Boy Scouts. So I think it's priority as well. All the streaming services that are available now, it's like, wow, I can get this for $4.99 a month or this for $3.99 a month. And then you go and you add it all up and you don't realize that 
you're spending 150 bucks a month or what have you on TV that may, you may or may not be watching. There are so many ways that you can actually cut a little bit here and a little bit there, but that adds up to a lot. And I think it's one of the things that we see again every day is people look at these small recurring expenditures, uh, the subscription-based things, and they don't realize that in aggregate that that matters. For sure. And I think, it, like Witt said, goes all back to the priorities. I remember when Ava, my oldest, now 16, when she was in kindergarten, I taught at the same school where she attended. Tracy was staying at home. And I remember one afternoon we came home, and that was the first time she really kind of got exposed to more people, more kids, more stuff. Um, you know, we lived in a modest home. And she said, Dad, I think we need a bigger house. I said, well, you know, okay, well, you know, shoot. And she's like, you know, I need more toys. My friends have all these things. And I'm like, well, okay, we can have that. I said, but you like going to school with me, right? She goes, yeah. I said, well, I'm going to have to go get a different job, so I won't be driving you. You'll be riding the bus. I said, you like your mom being home when you get home from school, right? Yeah. I said, well, that's not going to happen either. She's going to have to get a job, so you're going to be in the after-school program, and we'll come and pick you up at 6 o'clock. You're going to have a lot more stuff to play with, but you'll probably have like an hour to play with it, and then you got to go to bed. (laughs) And she looked at me, five-year-old, and said, you know, Dad, I think we have it pretty good. I think for a lot of people, we don't think about the future ramifications of the decisions that we're making right now. So once again, I think it does. It goes back to those priorities, and I think that's where here at Mentora we try to help. When it's personal, that human interaction, we make it one-on-one. Okay, what is right for you? I don't care what's right for your brother-in-law. I don't care what's right for your sister. What is right for you and your family? And that's going back to what financial wellness is. We've had a lot of conversations about lifestyle creep. Are there any kind of positive actions that a young financial adult can make? Absolutely. Take a little quick break right now, and then we'll come back and we'll go over some of those positives. Casey. What would you say is the single most positive action a young adult can take? I would say the number one thing would be save early and save often. You know, we talked about earlier in the podcast about having that flexibility to do what you want later in life, retire early, whatever the case may be. I'd tell you that it starts much sooner than that. I have a a good buddy that I grew up with, and we all mowed lawns, everybody in the neighborhood and we made good money doing it. We all had, you know, six or eight or 10 lawns each that we, uh, that we would all do on the weekends. And most of us got our cash from on the lawns and went out and bought baseball cards or shoes or clothes or posters or what have you. And we had one buddy who just never would. He never, we would go to the baseball card store and shop and he would just sit there and not buy anything. And he never wore new shoes. And we kind of poke fun at him like Reagan, Hey, you have all this money, you can afford this, come do this. If you fast forward four or five years, Reagan put all his money away, every red cent he put away. And fast forward five or six years, we were all graduating college and we're all taking the first jobs we can find basically because we have uh, rent to pay and car payments and all of that. And and Reagan just cruised into his professional career. He was you know, invested in some real estate here or there. And we're like, how do you do this? How do you pay your rent? How you know, this is not fair. You're kind of working for yourself at 23 or 24. And and the reality is he had saved money and he'd saved money all the way through high school, all the way through college. He didn't spend a lot. And that gave him flexibility at the early part of his career to do what he wanted to do. And he was interested in investing in real estate properties. Well, he had the luxury to do that. He could take a job that didn't have a salary and provided some flexibility. So I think just save early, save often and resist the urge just to spend money on things that make you feel good. 
Back to that same theme. <laughs> Time is often our biggest friend when it comes to investing. Compound interest is pretty magical. That's so impressive. It makes me wish I could go back in time. My brother had a similar situation. He's painfully frugal, but that worked out for him because when he was in his mid-20s, he was just working away in corporate America, basically said, you know what, screw this, I'm going to go travel the world, and quit his corporate job, sold all of his things, and had enough money to literally travel the world for an entire year. And I was just always so jealous of that because I thought that's so impressive. But it takes hard work and diligence to save and to fight those temptations every single time. And that's a great story, Whitney. And again, it's just a, another reminder that that flexibility leads to a lot of positives and quality of life. I would say one thing that really jumps out to me that if I were a young person again, paying attention to your credit score early on. I think it wasn't until just probably a handful of years ago that I realized how important your credit is. And there are so many ramifications, positive and negative, that go along with your credit score. And the a half a point or a quarter of a point on your mortgage makes a big, big difference. And uh, make no mistake, your credit score has a huge impact on that. So as a youngster, you know, I kind of looked at payment deadlines as mere suggestions, like ah, <laughs> if I have the cash, I'll get to it. That's not the case. And it will have an impact on your credit. So pay your bills, auto pay is your friend. Given the option, uh, always auto pay because yeah, uh, your credit is, is huge. It just gives you more power when negotiating too. And all the different things, whether that's a new loan you want to get, you're going to get a car, going to get a mortgage. It just gives you those options to not have to worry about it. You know, we just talked about things that obviously makes sense more from the numbers when we talk about investing and credit scores. But another thing too that I think young adults and pretty much anyone I guess really can focus on is networking. That's kind of like a non-financial type of thing to focus on, but it leads to financial success. And in fact, I'm sitting here right now hosting a podcast because of that. Joining Mentoro really, it was a connection. I'm going to let Whitney kind of talk about that, but it was something that I had met someone years ago and I had no idea what it would lead to. Mm -hmm. That's such a true story. So a couple years ago, actually, I was down in South Georgia with one of our clients and it's one of my favorite clients. They're straight shooters and we had a big event coming up and they looked me right in the face and said, don't you make me look stupid. Don't bring someone down here to talk to my employees and not have it together. So I was thinking, okay, well, I know we have a pretty great team, but for this particular event, I really need someone who is impactful. And I'm brainstorming with one of our partners who was in the car with me, and he said, have you ever heard of Danny Kofke? And I said... You hadn't heard of me then? <laughs> Where are you been? I was living with my head in the sand, clearly. <laughs> but he was telling me about all of the things that Danny had accomplished, especially in being a school teacher, written several books, great public speaker. I'm thinking this would be perfect. How do I get in touch with him? And he said, well, I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, but let me see if I can get you guys connected. I think it was three days later, you and I were on a phone call and then the rest his history. Been working together for a couple of years now. And I think it's pretty amazing how that all came about. You know, as a young adult, and I've been there too, I've, I've changed jobs, left jobs, and it can be so tempting, especially if you are in a job that you're not passionate about, kind of like that last day going out on a blaze of glory, telling the boss what you think. 
but you never know down the road what it could lead to. So I think not only networking, but also doing your job with integrity and passion, no matter what job you have. I mean, you have a boss. Treat that boss with respect. Do your job up to your standards because you don't know. Five, ten years, I had no idea Mentoro even existed when I got that phone call. But it was because of stuff that I had done five, six years before that led to it. So I do think as tempting as it could be, if you are in a bad work environment, don't mess it up on purpose. You know, be loyal to your boss, be loyal to yourself, and then move on, but do it with grace. Such a true point there. And I also think that that's why it's important to do your job with purpose. We all talk about how we're passionate people. We're passionate about correcting the retirement crisis. We're passionate about financial wellness. And so when like minds come together, there's no telling what all it could lead to. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking about uh, financial adulting. So Casey Kelly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And you can catch us next time as we run with the bulls. Run with the bulls is sponsored by Mentoro and hosted by Danny Kofke and Whitney Queen. Learn more by visiting mentorogroup.com.